I want to share a word with you. But before we do, let's have a word of prayer together. It's in the Gospel of John chapter 1. Let's pray. Father, thank you for this privilege, this honor, and this opportunity to be able to share with my brother your unsearchable riches. I pray that it would be a word of challenge, a word of comfort, a word of encouragement. For Lord, we all do need a word. After 27 years of serving you faithfully in one place, sometimes the felicitudes of life can wear on us, can um, cause us some hesitation and reservation. But now we ask that you would give him a word of exhortation. And we'll give you praise in Jesus' name. And we pray with thanksgiving. Amen and amen. So here it is. Um, some years ago, um, in the 90s, when the um, Chicago Bulls were reigning champions, where with the help of their leader, Michael Jordan, who um, got them six championship rings, and to date, no other team has done so. Um, L.A. got close. I think they got four or five, but none have gotten six. And one of the slogans that came out of that experience was Nike came up with a slogan that and all the kids would be around and they would say, I want to be like Mike. I want to be like Mike. Why? Because of what Mike was known for because of what Mike did, because of his prowess on the knowledge of basketball, his moves, his ability, his athletic ability in how he played the game of basketball. He set it on another trajectory. And yet their slogan was, I want to be like Mike. Well, I'm just here to say to my brother, I'm so glad that he is not our example. He is not our model. He is not something that we would aspire to be. We have other biblical characters, and one of those characters is found in the Gospel of John, chapter 1, where it begins, the author of John, um, the Apostle John, writes about the prophet and the priest and the Nazarite of Israel during that time, John the Baptist. He says in John chapter 1, And this light shined in darkness, and the darkness did not comprehend it or apprehend it. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. This man came for a witness to bear witness of the light that all through him might believe. He was not the light, but was sent to bear witness of the light that was the true light, which gives light to every man coming into the world. It's interesting that John's gospel, he opens up with a contrast, but also he begins to share with us a compliment. 
as you know, um, just as a reminder, um, John writes because of a doctrine that began to spread in his day and affect believers and affect the church. It was the doctrine of Gnosticism. And one aspect of that doctrine of Gnosticism said that anything that was material was evil. And John begins to attack this doctrine both in the gospel as well as in his epistle of 1 John. He addresses it without naming it. He literally confronts it without calling it out of what it was. He begins to give a contrast, and the contrast that he gives in John chapter 1 is a contrast between Jesus Christ and between John the Baptist. But also in this contrast, he also gives a compliment, a compliment about John the Baptist, the man, his mission. And John starts out by explaining the contrast of Jesus being the Son of God and John being a man of God. He tells us that Jesus is God in the flesh or God housed in humanity. But when it comes to John, he is humanity where God uses humanity for his glory and for his honor. So this contrast that John brings about, which I think is awesome and it is profound because he begins to explain the God-man and the man of God. He begins to explain the difference between divinity housed in humanity versus humanity being used by divinity. And so in John's gospel, he does so by saying that, first of all, you need to know that there's nobody like Jesus Christ. And even though he came in the flesh, it was not an evil act of God. He was not an evil person. And his humanity was legitimate. It was real. And it was authentic. He says, in the beginning, talking about whenever the beginning began, whenever it was, the Bible says, in the beginning was the word. Whenever the beginning began, the word was there whenever it began. In eternity past, and the word was with God, and the word was God. I was told, Greek scholars say that at this point, it talks about Jesus Christ and his relationship to his father, that he was not a created being, he is the creator, of equal authority, equal power, just different function, for he was in the beginning with God, they say in the Greek, it's prostantheon, he was face to face with God. He was there when God was there before anything material was there. Jesus Christ was there. He was not a created being. He is the being that did some creating. All things were made by him, John says, and nothing that was made was not made. It wasn't made. If there was made, it wasn't made not without Christ. 
He was the conduit of creation even in the book of Genesis. He was co-equal with God and they co-operated together and created these, this place called the world. So they say that he is the God man for verse 14 says and the word became flesh and dwelt among us and we beheld his glory as the only begotten of the father full of grace and truth. Jesus Christ was the perfect presentation, ocular demonstration, pictorial illustration of what God looked like in the flesh. The Hebrew writer said he's the express image of the Father. For no man has seen God, and if anybody saw him, they would not live. But God, via his son, took on flesh so that he could become and go through the human phases and stages that you and I go through and have gone gone, and, and going to go through. He's acquainted with every one of our sorrows. He shares every one of our griefs because he has experienced everything that we, has, we have experienced, but yet he is without sin. So here it is, Christ, the God-man. He is the literal presentation, ocular presentation, pictorial illustration of God in flesh. So much so when he was getting ready to leave, John says later in chapter 14, he was going back to his father, meeting with his disciples, doing the last supper, and then one of them asked them, show us the father that we might be satisfied. And he responded, have I not been with you so long that you've not known that if you've seen me, you've seen my father? So it is, my sisters and my brothers and Dr. Cofield, here it is that John says this is the way that the God-man was. This is how the God-man became, as the theologians call it, the hypostatic union, 100% God, 100% man. And then he shifts from divinity housed in humanity to divinity or humanity being used by divinity. No, Jesus is in a class by himself, but then he says there was a man. <laughs> the first thing that I say to you is I don't want to be like Mike, and I know Dr. Cofield didn't want to be like Mike. If we want to be like somebody, we want to be like Christ, but on the human level, we would probably all, being pastors and preachers, we want to be like John. The reason why he would want to be like John, or the reason why we may want to be like John, is because first of all, he tells us that he was human. There was a man. John represents to us that are in ministry reminding us of our humanity. In spite of the hand of divinity, 
that may be used and he may use us to pull off that which is impossible because only with him all things are possible and because of availability divinity creates not only capability but also gives us responsibility but we are human we're human let us not forget that we're human because when we forget that we are human dr cofield will begin to brush up against and teeter and totter with the thought of maybe we're a little more than human we may be possibly close to divinity that makes us somewhat divine oh god forbid but if that does and if it does tempt us remember that john was used by divinity in his humanity but he understood that he was human please keep that in mind that we are human and if we keep in mind that we are human, we will be like John because secondly, it reminds us like him that he was also humble. Because when you read the life of John and you continue to read the gospel of John, that John says that he was not the light, but he came to bear witness of the light. Uh, later on, John the Baptist said himself, I am not he, but it's one that's greater than me. So much greater that I am not worthy to unlatch or even tie the strings on his sandals. If it was in our day, he would say, I'm not worthy to tie the strings of his shoes. He was humble. He understood who he was, what he was, and whose he was. All the years that I've known your pastor, I've come to the conclusion that there's one thing he, he is convinced about, and that is he is not so holy that he does not recognize his humanity. He is not so great that he understands that he has some things that he grapples with. He understands that he is human and you need to thank God for having someone around you or who serves you in that capacity because there are others like us who think that we are more than what we are. We suffer from spiritual intoxication about ourselves. We're delusional about who it is we think we are because we're being used by divinity but we always need to be reminded it's about our humanity. God did not choose him. God did not use him because he was better than. He chose him and he used him because God is sovereign and he knew what was in him before he did what he did. He we want to be like John because he is, because of him being a human. We want to be like John because I've seen for years that he has been humble. Last but not least, I'm quite sure we want to be like John because he was a hurler. The Bible says that he did not come to 
to be the light. He came to bear witness of the light. My sisters and my brothers, the illustration of astrology is a phenomenal thing and the study of stars is a phenomenal thing and the moon and the planets. And one of the things that we've come to discover many years ago is that the sun or the moon is nothing more than a big, useless, non-firing, non-energy piece of rock. But the sun, the S-U-N, uses the moon to reflect its light off of it. So whenever you see the moon shining at night, it only shines because of the light of the sun. It reflects the light of the sun. Oh, I think you know where I'm going. And I'm just simply saying this, that that's what he's been doing for 27 years. He has been like the moon. No, he's not the light, but he gets his light from the light so that he can reflect the light that comes from the light so that those that are in darkness may come to the light. And, excuse me, when they come to the light, their lives get changed because he's the conduit of sharing the light which in the light and about the light is nothing but life and Christ himself has come that humanity might have life and might have it more abundantly that's why he shares because he's a hurler he understands his responsibility he comes to give testimony to the light not that he becomes the light but he's a reflection of the light and if everyone would believe in the light they would have the light and the life that he has to offer you so I'm going to say to my friend before my time runs out please keep reflecting the light Please keep pointing people to Christ. Please keep directing Jesus, other people to Jesus. Please keep doing what you have been doing since you've been here and before you got here. I've known you to be a DJ, Brother DZ, and that is a director to Jesus. Pointing people to the only Savior, the life, the light, the resurrection, the way, the truth, the door, the good shepherd, the lily of the valley, the bright and morning star, Daniel's rock hewed out of the mountain. Keep pointing people to Jesus, Jeremiah's bomb in Gilead. I'm telling you, keep pointing people to Jesus. Keep reflecting him as the light. Because that's all we have to depend on. That's all we have to rely on. And like the hymnologist says, my hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. I dare not trust the sweetest frame, but wholly lean on Jesus' name. On Christ, the solid rock I stand. All other ground is sinking sand. Please. 
keep doing what you've been doing, man. Recognize your humanity, even though you've been used by divinity. And he's provided the capability for you to pull off his plan. Remember, when we recognize our humanity, it does something for our humility. So that we will not think that we are more than what we are. The Apostle Paul says in the book of Romans, when you get transformed thinking in your mind, it gives you a proper perspective of yourself. Where he says we ought not think more highly of ourselves, but to think soberly. Because God has given to each of us a measure of faith, a portion, an allotment. And I've seen through the years, Good Hope, how that your pastor understands his portion. How he recognizes his level of faith that God has given him. He not intoxicated with himself, neither has he been intoxicated with himself. And if he has, I don't know anything about that. I've never seen that in the years that I've known him. Here it is. He recognizes. And I want you to know, keep celebrating, my brother, because you are God's hurler. Boy, are you a gifted hurler. You're here to testify, not to be an attorney, to plead the case of whether or not or sway the jury or persuade people of which way you want them to believe. No, a testifier or one that gives testimony is one that just tells what they know. And I know you know him. And I say to you, what you know about him, let that be known to others. Because they need to hear from you, my brother, who's a hurler, who has humility, because you understand your humanity. I love you, man. Pray that you keep going, growing, and glowing for the name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Because we don't want to be like Mike. We want to be like John. Because John was close to Jesus. God bless you, man. Love you. Be encouraged, brother.